The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit ConflictHealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about love and connection, and we love to talk about this issue. I'm so excited because we are going to be interviewing Dr. Sue Johnson, who is the author of many books, including the two that I've read recently called Love Sense, The The Revolutionary New Science of Romantic Relationships, and also... Um, the bestseller, Hold Me Tight, and of course, Created for Connection, the Hold Me Tight Guide for Christian Couples, Seven Conversations for a Lifetime of Love. So we all want love. We all want to be connected. And Sue has done some incredible work and research over the years, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about her. Dr. Sue Johnson is an author, a clinical psychologist, researcher, professor, popular presenter and a professional speaker and a leader and a leading innovator in the field of couples therapy. She's also a distinguished research professor at Alliant International University in San Diego, California, and a professor at the University of Ottawa, Canada. She is actually coming to us from Canada today. She's the primary developer of Emotional Focused Couples Therapy, which she calls EFT, which has demonstrated its effectiveness in over 25 years of peer-reviewed clinical research. So she does a lot of research to back up all of the wonderful techniques and tools that she's giving us. So Sue, I'm so glad we're finally able to get together. You're wonderful. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm glad you read the book. That's yeah. great. Yes, yes, it's, it's terrific. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about romantic love. That's what you've been working on all these years. Um, after all is de- defined, it's it's is it still a mystery, or can we understand romantic love now in a more clinical sense? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think we can understand romantic love after all. Um, science has unlocked so many secrets in the last, you know, 50 years. Really, why would we think that romantic love has to remain this sort of strange, mysterious, random thing that comes and hits you in the head and you fall in and you fall out? Because that's how it was portrayed 
all through the centuries by poets and philosophers, and you know, it was just this mysterious thing. Nobody could understand it. Even Einstein um, actually wrote and said, "Well, you can't. You never. You, I might understand physics, but." Nobody can understand love. <laughs> so, um, in fact, you know, in the last uh, 15 years, 20, 15 years, um, we, I think we can say we do understand so much about love. And I think the key thing is that we've tended to think of love as this sort of strange mixture of sex and sentiment. And really what the new research says is that it's not that... Uh, of course, there is sex and sentiment in it, but basically, it's much bigger than that. It's a, a wired-in survival code that a set at the way your nervous system is organized, the way your emotions are organized, the way your face is organized to express things to other people. It's all about keeping someone that you can depend on close to you. It's all about keeping a few people on this planet who will come when you call, when you need them, close to you. And that's kind of, you can see how that would be pretty important in the human family, um, that, you know, that our, our young are vulnerable for a long time, and it's pretty important for our species survival that we don't just belong to a group, but that we have one or two people who, when we call, will drop everything and tune into us and give us what we need. So that's kind of the new understanding of love. And it has huge implications because what you understand, you can shape. Yes, yes. So, you know, when we when we talk about love now, people think, oh, love comes from your heart. But really, how about how is the brain involved? Is it, is it more the brain or is it more the heart? Oh, well, the heart's just a muscle. <laughs> I mean, that's, I know. A, that's, a, that's a symbol, right? But, right. but um, of course it comes from our brain. I mean, we know, for example, we've known for quite a long time, that, and a lot of this comes out of bonding research between mother and child. And I think what's happened in the last 15 years, really, is we've taken all that research and we've started to look at adult lovers and we found, hey... It's different in some ways, but in other ways, it's the same, right? And, for example, we understand that, um, you know, when you feel close to somebody, you're special people that you really depend on and you feel connected, you're flooded with a bonding hormone called oxytocin. And what oxytocin does all kinds of interesting things in your brain (laughs) uh, and in your body. Um, Oxytocin tends to turn off fear. It tends, to create, it tends to create relaxation. It actually helps you read the cues coming from another person's face more accurately. I mean, it's, it's really fascinating. So we're starting to understand kind of how this works. And, you know, it's got a lot to do with the difference between safety and threat. Mm. You know, it's like um, John Bowlby, who was the psychologist, English psychologist, who sort of first started putting all this together in the 1960s and 70s um, with mothers and children, basically what he said is, we all need safe haven relationships. We, we are not self-sufficient. You know, even adults, you know, we don't suddenly become self-sufficient at 12 years old. We all need to know that we're connected to other people. And that's a huge safety cue for us. 
it literally, being alone freaks us out and stresses us out on mm. a very physiological level. So we need these safe haven relationships. You know, it's, um, we work a lot with um, soldiers and vets, and <clears throat> what we see is that if somebody comes home from a deployment with, um, you know, nightmares and some post-traumatic stress symptoms, right. the, one of the very best things you can do is help their partner understand it and help the couple talk and have what we call hold me tight conversations so that when his dragons come for him, when his ghosts come for him, he can turn to her and say, I'm, I'm disappearing, my dragons are coming for me, and she will turn and hold him. And as she holds him, his heart rate drops, he feels calmer, his breathing changes, he knows he's not alone, she brings him back to the fact that he's not in Afghanistan, he's here. I mean, you know, we really, as a species, we count on these relationships to deal with our emotions to deal with how small we are in a, in a big world. Exactly. You know, when you were talking about um, the when somebody comes home from Afghanistan or something, I know there have been lots of articles about having dogs to yes. help these people too, because sometimes they were talking, this article that I read said it's so hard sometimes for the spouses to understand, and yes. that a lot of times they break up, or there's domestic violence, there's all well, sorts of... Well, we don't help them. Right. The, the point is, we haven't helped the spouses understand <laughs> right. that that's really our fault. There's no reason why we can't... We do it all the time. You know, we, right. we get these folks, and we help the partner understand what's going on, we help the person who's dealing with all this anxiety to find words <clears throat> for their anxiety so that they know how to reach for their partner. And you see all this bonding science in action when, you know, somebody who is sort of losing their emotional balance can turn and say to a responsive other, I need your help, and the other person gives it. Love, in, the key element in love is all about emotional responsiveness. We, mm. we know that. That's what defines um, how, how positive and how viable a love relationship is. It's all about tuning into your partner and responding to your partner, especially at moments of need. Yes, yes. Um, let me ask you something. For my audience to understand a little bit about the hold me tight techniques, can you go yeah. over a little bit of it? And I think that'll help them to understand. And when they go to drsuejohnson.com, they can then look for more about some of these techniques and some of the books sure. that you've got. But give them a little bit of a, of, of a help to understand what the technique involves. Yeah. Well, first of all, um, you know, Hold Me Tight, which is the first book I wrote for the public, takes all the work we've done with distressed couples and all the, I think we have like 17 outcome studies right now, <clears throat> takes all this work we've done on the, over the years and makes it available to the public. And so we try to sort of, you know, talk about it in ways that people can understand. But what we're really talking about in that book and first of all, we teach them about what I'm saying. We teach them about attachment and bonding and what that means to people, that in fact you have the power, just because of the way the human brain is, is put together, you have the power to devastate your partner um, simply by turning away right. and shutting down and shutting them out 
and leaving them alone. And most of us don't understand that. We think, oh, you know, we're adults. You know, we're not that impacted. Right. But we are. We're, we're vulnerable in love. That's the whole point. So we teach them this and we help them see that the issue in distressed relationships is not so much um, differences in personality or conflicts. Everybody has differences and conflicts. Right. The real issue is emotional disconnection. Conflict is the um, inflammation. The virus is that people don't know how to connect with each other. They feel alone in relationships. They feel criticized. They feel put down. They feel um, deserted. And this is very painful for us um, just because of who we are as human beings. We're social bonding animals. So it's painful for us. So we help people understand how they dance together and really basically how they they freak each other out a lot of times. <laughs> yeah. And you must see that in mediation, oh, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. So we help people see this dance of disconnection and how it leaves them both distressed and alone. Usually one person is criticizing to try and force the other person to come close, and the other person is feeling uh, rejected and moves away. And people can do that dance their whole lives and stay in this painful place of disconnection. So we show people that, that they do that, and, and we help people understand the dance they're in. And so they start looking at the dance and the disconnection as the problem, not the other partner, and they start helping each other out of it. So, you know, um, we, do edu- we do an educational, relationship educational program based on Hold Me Tight too. <laughs> so in a group, you know, I'll see a couple be able to turn and say to each other, hey, we're doing that thing again, we're doing that spiral thing again where I feel like I don't matter to you and you're not listening and so I get pushy and the pushier I get, all you hear is that I'm disappointed in you and you turn away from me and then I get really upset and we just do this all day. Uh, I think we're doing that and the partner says, you're right, we are, we're doing that. (laughs) (laughs) And says, you know, it's horrible and she says, well, you know, I don't, wanna, I don't want you to feel rejected if you're feeling rejected right now. And he says, oh, honey, you know, um, we can get through this together. And he touches her on the arm, and then she says, let's go for coffee. Yeah. So people find a way to get out of disconnection, and then we help them turn and learn how to um, talk about their emotions, that their emotions are, we all have the same emotions. There's nothing wrong with emotions. We just often don't know how to talk about them. We help them learn how to tune into their own emotions and sort of express these emotions, especially their fears and their needs, to their partner in a way that's clear and that pulls the partner close. So, you know, people move from, um, you know, well, he never talks. Why don't you talk to me? You know, your whole family are like this. Right. And if you really love me, you talk to me. Right. They move to understanding that that makes it hard for their partner to dance with them. They change their emotional music and they're able to turn and learn to create these bonding conversations where they say, you know, I don't know why, but when I got that phone call this morning um, telling me I hadn't got the job, I felt really awful and really small, and um, I'm still feeling that way. And 
you know, uh, what I need, I, I just need you to come over here and just comfort me a bit and tell me that I'm special to you no matter what. That's real different. Okay, that's easy to respond to, right? Right. Not well. You have to teach people. Like sometimes right. people don't know what to do when their partner says that. Right. But we teach people how to respond to each other emotionally in a way that creates this incredible safety. And when we do that, um, all the research says that when you create these moments of safe bonding, everything else and the relationship just kind of comes online. Like, you know, they're, they're more open and collaborative, so they're better at problem-solving. Um, they're, they're more empathic with each other because they don't see the other person as a potential enemy. Right. right? They see them as vulnerable like them. Um, their sex life improves because they're just better at dancing together and picking up each other's cues. So, mm-hmm. you know, lots and lots of things happen when you can have these bonding conversations. When you can't, everything starts to go wrong and the partner starts to look like the enemy. Exactly, and that's when they end up in my office for divorce mediation. That's right. <laughs> and, you know, for for 30 years I've been seeing this, you know, and, I, and I, I do stop them. You know, I have a master's in psychology, so I know a little bit about this, not as much as you do, but, you know, I see the things that really are the ruination um, when they come to me is the blame game. It's yep. his fault, it's her fault, the judgments, and the... Like the inability to to um, to be vulnerable because you're afraid you're going to get kicked in the mouth at the same time if you say That's something. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And you know what we see when we look at the the what you call the blame game is we see how desperate people are. You know, they might be expressing um, blame, but if you really slow them down, and this is part of the process actually, and it has to be kind of an experience. It's not. It's not kind of like a technique you can just teach somebody in a few minutes, you know. You have to actually be able to slow down and actually people say, yeah, yeah, you know, you're right. Um, I'm expressing all this anger, but what it's about is I just feel desperate here. I I don't know how to get this person to respond to me. And that's that's so universal I can't even um, tell you. Right, it's like doesn't matter what your education is or your culture is or your background, your racial background or your religious background. Like this is about what we, who we are as human beings. So you know, um, and we all need validation and comfort and support and caring from the person we love. In fact, we probably need it more these days because. Most of us live in a community of two, if we're very lucky. We don't live in in, um, our extended families anymore. We don't live in small villages with people we've known all our lives. So our partner is kind of like it for, you know, this kind of safe connection and this kind of soothing. Right, right. You know, when I'm in mediation, it's funny, you probably laugh at this, 
But I'll, I'll be trying, you know, the same issues that came up in their marriage obviously come up when we're trying to divide community property. Or yes, set up, I bet. Yes. <laughs> or set up, uh, you know, a custody arrangement or spousal support or whatever it is. And they'll go into these patterns. And so one spouse will attack the other. And you just want to screw me or you just want to, you know, take all my money. And so then I'll stop and I'll say, okay, so let me let me kind of interpret that. I speak male and female. Email. What he's really saying is he's worried about having enough finances to pay for you and still be able to live for himself and support the kids. Is that right? right? And so, you know, I kind of ha- I role play what they should be saying, and then I give them a chance to say it, and then they can get an answer instead of it escalating and turning into a hornet's nest where yes. people are killing each other in my office. So <laughs> That's right. And you see, and what you're trying to do at that point is, you are trying to create a fair and equitable deal for them that they can live with and that will create a basis for their family, right? Right. And, right. and that is exactly what you're supposed to be doing at that point. What we try to do is a bit bigger than that because <laughs> sure. couples haven't quite reached that point. So we're trying to not create good deals. We're trying to actually say, never mind, you know, um, all the stuff about who's earning what, and right. let's look at this inability to create safety for each other, and let's look at your ability to bond and hold each other, right? right. And that's so important for people. And the thing is so sad, Sue, that they don't know how to talk to each other. And, and that's, that's, right. that's what's so sad. So at least I help them learn how to talk to each other so that they can co-parent the rest of their yeah. lives and go to weddings and go to graduations and be there and be nice to each other, you know? So they have yes. to learn how to do ear. I call it ear. Empathy, attention, and respect. They have to listen to each other. You know, those are... Yeah, th- and it's really hard to do that when you're <laughs> really hurting and you're really angry, right? Yeah. Right. That's why, at least in the mediation, you've got somebody there to, to help buffer that. But every once in a while, over the years, I've had couples get back together because they finally learn how to talk without the blame, the judgment, and just talk from their own emotions. I'm really feeling scared. Or I'm really hurt about that, you know, and I really need this from you and just what you teach right. them. But it's 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 tough because by the time they get to me, there's been years of this. It, it almost right. turned into hatred, you know. Well, I think what we don't understand, um, you know, our society is all these messages about adults being grown up, not needing people, that it's weak to need people, that you're supposed to be self-sufficient. Basically, they're all nonsense. You know, they've got nothing to do with who we are as human beings. And what we don't understand is, for example, I'll give you a a research study result, um, is that um, the research says that when you receive cues of rejection, it doesn't even have to be your partner. I mean, it's even worse if it's your partner. But when you receive cues of rejection, they're processed in the exact same part of the brain and the exact same way as physical pain. So we're social animals who know that rejection is a danger cue for us and it puts our body into alarm and, you know, it's almost like stepping on a nail is a danger cue right. and looking into somebody's face and seeing rejection and that, you know, you're not going to belong here and you're going to be pushed out and away, mm. that's also a danger cue. And people don't understand the impact they have on each other. They right. really don't. I mean, it's, 
it's it's kind of mind-boggling that that you know when for me when I sit with a couple because for me it's totally clear but you know it wasn't when we started doing this research twenty sure. years ago. Sure. But it they don't, people don't get that they how much they hurt each other and how much they scare each other. They just don't get it. No, no. And it, it's so sad, is, too, because they both, you know, what I, I always tell people, I said, you're both really hurting. That's that's one commonality. You're both, that's right. you know, that's and you expect, both right. have failed expectations. You know, I said, you have so much in common that you don't realize. It's it's yes. very painful for you. And, you know, that's when they talk about heartache. It really is a heartache, <laughs> you know? Oh, it's, it's, it's huge, you know, and... Um, that's the other thing about this. From my point of view, we should be educating. This new science is a revolution, and we should be educating everybody about it. You know, we teach our kids in school about trigonometry. Why don't we teach them about their basic emotions, how to talk about their basic emotions? Why don't we teach them about bonding and, you know, what bonding looks like? And We don't do any of that. So no. people come. It, sometimes journalists say to me, well, you know, um, the trendy thing is to say that um, monogamy or just being with one person is impossible. Don't you agree? And I say, <laughs> no, I don't. No. I don't at all. In fact, I think um, it's, you know, it's, from what I understand about bonding science, it's a pretty natural thing for us to have serial monogamy. That's, you know, and, and what happens when a relationship breaks up is somebody looks around for another one. Right. The point is we haven't known how to do it. When we certainly haven't known how to do it, when our partner becomes so important because we don't live in a little village, we don't live with our family, this, you know, emotional need for our partner to respond becomes really huge. You know, we tend to forget how much marriage has changed over the last 50 years. There was some sort of, um, uh, sort of questionnaire. I can't remember exactly when it was. It's, it's in, it's one, it's in one of the books. I think it's in Hold Me Tight. Um, where this questionnaire where they asked women how they would choose a husband. I think it was in the 19th, uh, end of the 40s or end of the 50s. Yeah. And love was number five. Right. You Security know, probably like, was number one, huh? <laughs> yeah. Has he got a job? You know, will right. he take care of me? Right. Is he reliable? Right. You know, and love was number five. <clears throat> now, you know, everyone is looking for this amazing love relationship, and we don't know how to make them work. We don't know how to create it, right? So this new science is amazingly hopeful because it's saying we can do this, we can learn about it, we can learn how to do it, we can actually shape love. Um, love doesn't necessarily have a best before date. You know, we can <laughs> be very different with each other, very different on personalities and still be together you know, it's lots of the cliches out there in the media are so negative. Mm. You know, it's like uh, <clears throat> you can't, one of the most popular ones right now is you can't have passion and, and this kind of safe bonding and familiarity. Well, you can't have, pa it's true, you can't have passion if you have kind of a, a dead, distant familiarity where you never really connect. That's right. true. Or if you're fighting. <laughs> Exactly, but for sure you can. If you have this safe emotional connection, mm -hmm. where you can tune into each other and move together and communicate, of course you can have passion. Those are the people that have the best sex and enjoy sexuality the most. You know, so um, sex 
a passion and eroticism doesn't have to erode in a relationship. It waxes and wanes and changes, but it can be just great, you know. But but the, the media get kind of negative about all this. Yeah, because they haven't read your research and they haven't read your books. <laughs> no, I think it's because they don't they care haven't about tried my research it. or my book. Um, because, you know, sensationalism is... Yeah. You know, it's, it's somehow more sensational. Now, isn't this crazy? It's somehow more sensational to say um, this many people are divorcing and nobody has a good sex life after you know, yeah. year five or something. That's more dramatic than saying, um, actually, we do understand that love has patterns and rhythms and that we, have, we can understand it and that you know, we can actually, we've, we've cracked the code of love and we know how to do this now. People, somehow that sounds sort of like mild and, you know, like, oh, really? You know, it's like, it's like saying, you know, we've come up with this better toothpaste for your teeth. People <laughs> go, oh, really? But if you really listen to what I just said, yeah, it's much more revolutionary than, you know, all the other stuff out there to say that we can understand human love and we can shape it and make it last. That's pretty huge. And that's a perfect way to end. Would you believe we just finished? What a, oh, what a wonderful, wonderful um, help that you've given to us, what wisdom you've shared with us. And we thank you so much, Dr. Sue Johnson. Just um, here, the one that I just I'll give love. give my the, website yes, if you like. Yes, give your website and it's time to go. Yeah. Okay, it's dot. DrSueJohnson.com. And Dr. is DR. DR. Okay. DR, yeah. Thank you so much, Sue. We will talk to you again soon and keep up all the wonderful research and the great work that you're doing, okay? Thanks so much. Okay. Bye-bye, Sue. Bye-bye. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. You gotta fight both night and day. Doesn't matter what some people may say. Don't be the lamb's cry, be the lion's roar. Cause love is worth fighting for. I know, yeah. Love is worth fighting for. Love is worth fighting for.